Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Time now for Dan Issel and Louis Rabot, right here on ESPN 680 and 1057. Now, here's Dan and Louis. Good Friday morning, everybody. This is Issel and Louis. And, of course, the first hour of the show is brought to you by our friends at Kentucky Tourism. If you've been with us this week, you know that Louis is on vacation, soaking up the rays in where was it, Mike? Puerto He's in Rico? Puerto Rico, and he actually Puerto got Rico. on the horse racing happy hour last night. So I got to spend a couple hours with him. But oh, yeah. So. Oh, so so even whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a second. I'm just letting you know <laughs> that me. I knew where he was going, and he came on to my show, but he didn't have time for your show, and you didn't know where he was going. That's you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? Get to. What's that all about? <laughs> he can still do the ha- uh, horse racing happy hour and can't do this show. I'm okay with it, though. I've had fun this week. This has been good. I, I was kind of listening. I think I was low energy on Monday and, uh, you know, trying to feel, you know, feel my way out. But now, you know, I, I feel like I'm hitting my groove. So I'm good. I'm happy. Good. Well, yeah. uh, you carry you carry the show then. Well, let's start off with your, your boy, Tiger Woods, going two under. But that's not the story. What's the story? <laughs> did you not see what he did to Justin Thomas? No. He outdrove Justin Thomas on a hole and he slipped him a tampon. After he outdrove him, oh, now, oh, oh. now I saw, <laughs> I saw, I saw him do that. I saw him give him something uh, because I watched most of it. Um, what uh, I, I didn't see. I, oh, I had to run to the grocery store, uh, and so there were a few holes in the middle of the round that I missed. But I saw what you're talking about, but I had no idea that's what it was. Now, I mean, that, that's hysterical. That obviously had to be premeditated, right? He had to have it with him. He had to. Yeah. He had it. So I'm just in cancel culture. The being the way it is, uh, I I can't even imagine like uh, doing that. Now, I, saying that, I did something like that my first year coaching basketball. I got to admit. Avery, don't judge me. You're too late. I'm already judging. You're already judging me. I'm now, already judging. You got to remember, this was 22 years ago or whatever else. Um, and we, you know, coaching high school basketball, lots of times what they do for the visiting teams is put you in the in the girls' visiting girls gym locker room, right? So I know I know where this is yeah, going. We had a bad first half, so I I bought something and threw it on the on the ground, and you know. I re- it's one of the things in coaching I think I regret, but <laughs> we we did the same thing when I was in junior high. We were dressing in a girls' locker room, and we bought one and put it in a guy's gym bag so that when he took it home and his mom un- unloaded the dirty laundry, she she would find it. That that is uh, 
that's that only Tiger Wood could get away in this in this politically correct culture we live in. Only Tiger Woods could get away with that. I, and I don't know if he's. I mean, I guess he's getting away with it. What, Avery, do you take offense to that? Okay, so I'm a petty person. Okay, I, I'm here for the pettiness. But if he had given it to a female, that that would have like, been worse. He would have been instantly canceled. Okay. So well, here's my take. Okay, now I have a whole after this was. This incident that I that I did was before I had kids. Okay, so I find it um, I find it hilarious that uh, that the term for what that goes into is derogatory for being you know soft or whatever else. When that thing pushes out a human being, bleeds every twenty eight days, it goes through and like if we get touched in our private area, like by the smallest amount, like we're bent over in pain, you know, and one is. One is symbolic of being tough, and one is the symbolic of being soft. And it should be the other way around, right, Dan? <laughs> By the way, this is, this is Mike Gondolvo sitting in for Louie. Um, and, you know, send all your texts to him. Uh, <laughs> I, what did I say wrong? Did I say anything wrong, Avery, on that one? I mean, I was, I was speaking truth. Um, yeah, I, but knowing these listeners, they're going to come and they're going to crush you. That's okay. Yeah, you know what? I'm crushed. here to get crushed. You'll get crushed it's on all right. that one. That's fine. Let's do it. Let me tell you something. I was sitting here thinking about seven or eight different directions we could go to open the show. That was not one of them? No, that wasn't wasn't on the list. Hey, you threw it to me. I'm just saying, it's it's on you. So. That's- well, it it really was amazing. You know, if you watch that, the, the opening, we're talking about the uh, Genesis Classic, uh, and Tiger Woods is the host of that tournament, by the way, and he is playing, this I believe is the first non-major event he's played in, in over two years, and he really he struck the ball really well yesterday, but if you look at the scores, Mike, the people that played in the morning scored much lower than the people that played in the afternoon and so you know they always flip-flop uh, on the second day of a tournament the ones who who uh, you know teed off early they tee off late so we'll see tiger goes out i, I think here in just about a half hour um, and so it will we'll see if the scores uh, replicate yesterday's scoring but uh, yeah, I I think it would be a major win for him just to just to make the cut. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, two unders no is is great way to do. It. He was tied for twenty seventh, I think, right now. And uh, Justin uh, was three under, so he was right there with some of the great golfers. And and you're exactly right. I mean, people don't I think, especially the casual golf fan, doesn't fully understand how a golf course can completely change throughout the day. You know, even yeah, the, yeah. how the ball rolls, how the how the 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 blades of grass can kind of follow the sun. I mean, everything everything can play how it's dry versus how it's wet. I mean, it can be completely different. So, you know, he goes down and goes low today. Who knows? You know. Well, the the one thing that I noticed was there were a few holes yesterday, especially on the front nine. It was impossible to keep the to keep the ball on the green. Yeah, just running real fast, huh? Just, I mean, they could hit it. They could hit it in the middle of the green, and it would still roll off. So, I mean, just think about the weather changes we we have here. I mean, two days ago it was seventy five degrees here, Dan, and this morning we've already had our high temperature of thirty eight, and there was snow and ice on my car when I woke up. 
Boo. Yeah. Boo. Yeah, well, that uh, that came through here a couple of days ago. We, we got about uh, five or six inches of snow, and I think the high was seven one day, but it's supposed to be in, uh, in the 50s here this weekend. So Well, there you, that'll you know. be That'll be good. I'm ready That'll for the springtime to get here. We got that little taste of spring. It was, it was good to feel. It was good to be outside and hang out. And, you know, I've got this nice little screen and porch area with the, where I kind of like to watch games and stuff like that. And I was watching Kentucky's game outside. It was warm enough. And um, it was fantastic. So I'm ready yeah. for that. I'm ready to bring back yeah. to that. Now, what I'm not excited about, though, Dan, uh, we got to figure out how to talk about this DJ Wagner situation. Um, ugly, ugly scene last night in Camden, New Jersey. Uh, there was a little bit of a scuffle that, uh, and it could end up costing Camden a shot at repeating as state champions. Um, and DJ was, I think, involved. He didn't instigate it. I did look like his teammate instigated it when kind of watching the video. It's kind of hard to see because you only get that one snippet, right? So you don't yeah, see what happened yeah. before or right. or after. I'm, I'm sure you've had some battles down low where someone throws a cheap shot and two two possessions later someone else throws a cheap shot and then you know um and if you're not careful things can get out of out of control hey if if it, in the early days of the aba uh if if there wasn't uh, if there wasn't a fight there were there were there was a fight in a game more often than not in the early days of the AB. were you ever involved in a fight in, in a game uh yes i was involved in several of them and uh, I, I remember uh, my rookie year, we were playing in Miami, and Miami had a big bruising guy by the name of Ira Harge. Okay. And, and so our, our coach was Frank Ramsey, you know, oh, wow. who, had, who had been in a few battles himself as a Celtic. And he said, he told us whenever a fight breaks out, you know, you grab the guy and hold him so that you know he can't swing or can't land any punches so i a fight breaks out i go up to ira and instead of wrapping my arms around him so that he can't hit anybody i just grab his left arm and he came around with a right hand and hit me in the middle of the chest and i don't think i took a deep breath for about 3 days <laughs> he knocked me <laughs> He, he he knocked the wind out of me for sure. I let, I know one thing. I let go of his arm and, yeah, real real quick. But uh, no, I was I was involved in a number of my favorite story um, was I got Wendell Ladner, who was a a teammate of mine and an adversary uh, was uh, was playing. I forget who he was playing with, but we got in a fight one night and. Um, Ron Thomas, who played at UofL, the plumber, uh, one of the sweetest guys in the whole wide world, uh, he got his nickname because of his shooting touch. Uh, but he was our, he was our enforcer, and so when a fight broke out, Ron was the one who was supposed to come out and you know put an end to it. So I get in a fight with Wendell. I land a couple of good ones. He hits me in the chin. I think I wind up getting four or five stitches uh, under my chin. But the fight, the fight happens, and there's no Ron Thomas. So after the game, I go up to Ron. I said, Ron, where were you? How come you weren't out there helping me against Wendell? He said, Dan, didn't you hear? The ABA just said if you left the bench during a fight, you were going to get fined twenty five dollars. 
I said, I said, plumber, the next time I get in a fight, you get your butt out there and I'll give you a hundred. How did it, you know, you had the ugly, when you were playing, you had the ugly scene with Rudy Tomjanovich. How did, how did, did that change the, the scene at all? I mean, that was, that was brutal. Yeah, yeah, that was that was terrible. Yeah, um, I mean they. Uh, who was was it? Washington that hit him? Is that was that the guy? I don't know if that's who it was. Yeah, Let me see if I can I find out right now. I think now. Washington was the guy. Yeah, but I mean he he basically. I mean, it was just two forces coming together. Rudy was running toward the punch. And, you know, uh, Washington gave him a haymaker and he just basically broke his face. I think I think that's I'm not so sure before that, that, you know, the the powers that be were really against the fighting. You know, I think I think they thought that was part of the entertainment value. Kind of like why people come to watch hockey and stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. But that that incident, I mean, Rudy could have gotten killed. And so that that incident really, really uh, sent people, you know, against the fighting and stuff. So Kermit Washington was suspended for 60 days. And you just now just remember, you just mentioned that a twenty five dollar fine. He was fined ten thousand dollars back then. That was a big chunk of your check. Yeah. Yeah. He he was probably making, you know, 50, 60, 75 tops. Yeah, so uh, there you go. So yeah, it's hard. But let's get back to the the Kansas New Jersey thing. And so the way that I saw it, and I don't know if you got a chance to see the video or not. Uh, I we, did. We saw um, the DJ Wagner's make follow his man down the lane. Uh, his teammate, um, who I can't remember what his name is, his kid going to Albany, kind of gave like a cheap shot with an elbow, from what it looked like to me. It looked like they were getting ready to skirmish, and DJ Wagner just happened to be the closest teammate and kind of uh, ran over probably a little more aggressively than he needed to. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I don't ever want to condone fighting in a game or, or anything like that. Uh, I do know in competitive situations, things get riled up and whatever else, but uh, that doesn't excuse anything. But uh, I, I didn't see anything that made me think that, you know, uh, we're dealing with another situation of bringing a bad person. I, I think a lot of us who have been in competitive situations, there's things like that that happen along the way. And I, and again, without knowing what led up to that point, it's hard to make a judgment on it. Yeah, and and it wasn't it wasn't an isolated instance. I mean, p- coaches were coming out, fans were coming out. I mean, it it, it escalated. In my opinion, it, it escalated much more than it than it ever should have. But I, what I makes agree you think that there's got to be a lot of more to that backstory, right? I mean, if it escalated that quickly, there was well, there was well, bad the, blood. The, both of these both of these high schools are in Camden, New Jersey, right? Which ought to t- that I mean that ought to tell you one thing: Camden isn't exactly the the paradise of of the East Coast. So so that ought to tell you one thing: that it's uh, tough neighborhoods and tough kids and and tough parents. And, and by the way, it never in the video I saw. Did you ever see DJ Wagner throw a punch, or did you just see him run after the kid? No, I, I didn't see. Uh, it, like you said, it's hard to say, and it's just uh, it, it's just a really quick flash. But you know, it said that Bradshaw was in it too, and I never did see Bradshaw in in the clip that we had. Yeah. So, um, 
I mean, it's not a good it's not a good situation, but but uh, there are some people who are going to blow it way out of proportion uh, and, you know, say, well, it, it's a good thing we didn't get DJ here. Look what a bad kid he is. So so, uh, you know, be be prepared for that. Um, I, I'm not I, I'm not going to go down that road yet. No, I mean, uh and again, I'm just like the deflated basketball thing after the Louisville Virginia game was kind of blown out of proportion. Even though you know Bennett was asked about it after the game, laughed it off. Didn't they didn't really make a big deal out of it? But the press sure tried to make that a big big deal, and it, it just yeah. wasn't a big deal. Well, no, but that's that's the way the media is today. So yeah, um, I mean, and then you know, for a guy like Bill Lambeer, that was just called Tuesday, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but but you said you said the most important thing, and that is that uh, you know I I don't know what the fallout, what the repercussions are going to be from this, but uh, you know I do they get to play for the championship? Did they did they cancel the game at that point? They did cancel. They they did. Well, I think they technically postponed it. They did not. Re, um, they did not resume play that night. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they try to reschedule it. They can't have a whole lot of time left in their schedule in their in their season. I wouldn't think. Um, I mean, the Kentucky high school basketball season ends up wraps up this weekend, and we we go into uh, playoffs next weekend uh, mm. with the districts. So, um, yeah, I can't imagine uh, that they would have a whole lot more time left. I, I used to have a friend of mine who coached up in Princeton, New Jersey, uh, at the high school up there. And, I'm trying to. He coached. Uh, he coached. Do you remember? I don't know if you know this name or not. They had a kid named Davon Reed who actually went and played at Miami. I think he plays. He was actually just involved in one of the trades. He's in the NBA still today. Uh, mm. So Davon Reed was on his uh, was on a squad from Princeton. And uh, I'm trying to remember how long their season went, but I can't. I can't think about it off the top of my head. So, um, and then again, there's I. You know how important is it to them to the state championship? I wonder if they're eligible to play. So the Dick Sporting Goods, um, at least they were for a while, host kind of like a pseudo-national tournament. I would assume that they would get invited to that. They've been invited to other every other major event out there. Um, yeah, so. yeah. wouldn't you? I mean, I if, if I, and you know about this much more than, than I do because you were involved with the uh, Derby City Classic for a while, but uh, I, I would think anybody having a, having a tournament like that would want them to participate oh yeah i mean i would think so and then actually new jersey if i'm not mistaken also does a really cool thing where they they have classes you saw like camden was going for the group two championship but i think they actually they go further and they actually do a tournament of champions so they take uh all the class different champions from all the different classes oh that's cool yeah and i like that and they might even like mix it where with the public and private schools like uh, because i know they're separate up there yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it is neat. Do you like do you you know Kentucky's still holding on to the one state champion? Uh, Indiana, of course, a while ago got rid of it. Any any take on that? Um, I I kind of like uh, I kind of like the one uh, the one championship. Uh, I mean that's the way uh, it. When I was in high school. Back when uh, you know you used to go to games in the covered wagon, yeah, um, yeah. And you only uh, had to play day games because you didn't have lights, right? they they um illinois was all one class and and to even punish the smaller schools more 
if your if your uh, enrollment was under a certain point, which Batavia's was, uh, you had to start out in a district, and then so you know like there was eight there there were eight teams in our district tournament, and so before the bigger schools even started playing, seven out of eight district teams were already eliminated. Wow. And so that uh, that was really unfair. Yeah, it was. And our little team, both my junior and senior years, we were the last district team to be eliminated in the state tournament. We got to uh, we got to the game before the state tournament. Sixteen teams went down to Champaign, uh, and we were eliminated the game before we went to state both years. So you know, I've always concluded that ha- had there been classes back then you know we would have won two state championships but i still like even even having said that i still like the one class because then you have you know you have teams that you know come out of nowhere and 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 can be competitive so i I, yeah I, i like the one class yeah uh and so how small was your graduate your like how small was your senior class uh just over 100 and you had kenny anderson and um, the broadcaster, I'm blanking. Who was it? Craig Sager. Craig Sager on your high school basketball team. Yeah. So Kenny Anderson yeah. was the quarterback of the Bengals in the 80 Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And we also had Byron Vonhoff, who was uh, either the first or second pick uh, in the second round of the MLB draft. So what what was in the water in Batavia around that time, or or was know. it? I know you think very highly of your high school basketball coach. How how much does he have to do with the success of those four people? A ton, a yeah. ton. Well, um, you know, Kenny. Even though Kenny wound up playing in the NFL for fifteen or sixteen years, maybe uh, when he was in high school, his best sport was basketball, uh, and Byron was on the basketball team. Uh, but his best sport, obviously, was baseball. Um, and Sager, uh, he didn't have a best sport. He just, <laughs> he was just, he was just on the team because we needed bodies. So, did you know that Craig Sager was Willie the Wildcat at Northwestern? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was. He wore the he wore the Wildcat mascot suit. So. <laughs> wow. But I mean, it's, it's amazing to me too. Like I, I was, you know, I told you I had that conversation with Derek Anderson, and we were talking about, you know, he played for Pat Riley, he played for Greg Popovich, he played for Rick Pitino, and it comes down like who was the most influential coach in his life. It was like it wasn't even his high. I mean, his high school head coach did have a big influence on, but it was the two assistant coaches. You know, mm. just talking about how important uh, those two guys were. Them, and it's just it's amazing as you talk to these guys. I mean, because you did you tell me you played for five. Five of the coaches you played for are in the basketball hall of fame. Uh, no, it wasn't five. What would you tell me? I know four, four, four. Yeah. So Ramsey, yeah. Rupp, uh, Hubie Brown, uh, Frank Ramsey, uh, Larry Brown. You played for Larry Brown and Hubie Brown. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And is there maybe? I got. I, I got guess, to meet. I guess that's it. Yeah, four. Played for four. I got to be around both those guys. And, I mean, they're completely different, but just incredible. 
just incredible, incredible guys. I, you know, of all the coaches, and, and I want to remember, remember, remind everybody, Mike, uh, I want to thank George and the Bernos team for bringing lunch by the ESPN Louisville Studios today. Bernos has you covered for all of the big events this weekend. Your spot before all Louisville men and women's games and concerts at the Yum Center. Carry out, delivery, dine in. 14 area locations in Metro Louisville and Southern Indiana. Yeah, it's that good. Uh, Bernos. Pizza. So, um, what were we talking about? <laughs> your coaches. You're, you said you were talking about all those Hall of Fame coaches. Oh, yeah. And, I said, I... and, and, and uh, every, every coach that I played for um, taught me something different. And my high school coach, my high school coach came to Batavia uh, the, uh, when I started my junior year. And I was, um, I was a very late bloomer. I, I couldn't make the uh, fresh soft team, what we called the freshman sophomore team. Couldn't make that my freshman year. So you didn't play basketball at all your freshman year? Yeah, we had a freshman team. We had okay. a fresh, we, we had four. And, and I, I have to say this about Batavia. I think the reason that, you know, so many athletes came out of that is that was, that was the social calendar yeah. in Batavia. Small uh-huh. town, 7,500. We were good. Uh, and so a lot of it, I mean, you know, Friday night, the big, the biggest thing to do in town was to go to the basketball game or the football game, or and so we our support was incredible. But we hired Don Vanderschnick uh, as a sophomore. I couldn't make the varsity. Uh, I, I and he came in and literally Mike made me a basketball player. I mean, I had started to grow at that point. When I started, I started high school. I was five eleven. And by my junior year, I was six six, and so you know he we would come in before school, and and we would then we would practice for two and a half hours, and then he'd keep me. But you know nobody complained about it. And and after he left Batavia, he went to a bigger high school in Wheaton, which is closer to downtown Chicago, more affluent community, and he tried doing that at Wheaton, and the and the parents had a stroke, you know, that he that he's got kids in the gym for four and a half hours a day. But um, but so he taught me a work ethic. Then I got to Kentucky and I played for Adolph Rupp. He taught me discipline. And then I played for Larry and Larry was a great teacher. And I, 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 that's why I always thought, and Larry Brown, you know, has been a hundred different places, back and forth, pros, college. Uh, and I always thought Larry was better suited for college because he was such a great teacher of the game. When I played for Hubie, Hubie was the best prepared coach I ever played for. I mean, this was way before, you know, film study and, and, um, statistics and metrics and all of that stuff but Hubie we would come into a game uh, and and on the board would be our our plays and like 2x was artist's play 4x was my play and it'd be on the board the last time we played these teams we ran 2x 14 times and scored 11 times we ran 4x eight times and scored twice. 
So the point being, throw it to artists, don't throw it to Issel. <laughs> and so he he was just he was just unbelievable that way. He was an X No guy like no other. I think I told you the story about being at a conference with him where he did like four hours one day and then decided to come back the next day and did four more hours. And those eight hours went by like they were twenty minutes. And like the X and, his X and O ability was is incredible. I mean, unbelievable. And and to this day. I mean, Hubie, we need to get Hubie on. Hubie oh, yeah. will come on, and uh, uh, now that the NBA is is getting down to crunch time, uh, the All-Star weekend this weekend, and then most teams have uh, 21, 23 games left. We'll get, we'll get Hubie on. But to this day, at, at, at Hubie's age, I would still rather listen to him call a basketball game, or not call, analyze a basketball game, than anybody out there that's working today. 80, 89 years old. There you, he'll, yep. turn, he'll be 90 in September, so uh, getting it done. So you better get him on before it's too late, right? So Hey, stop that. All right, stop all right. I won't, I won't do that then. Uh, speaking <laughs> of the NBA, tonight is the NBA Rising Stars game, 9 o'clock on ESPN 680-1057 uh, on the ESPN Louisville app if you want to tune in. Supposedly, Blankenbaker took a big run at me this morning. i got to figure out what he said, and then I'll, I'll come back with a response. We'll see. I uh, didn't like my uh, my little brother comment from yesterday, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I call him like I see him. You know, I'm not one of these Kentucky fans that does not like UofL. Like, I, I went to UofL. I mean, I was I was part of that, uh, that basketball program in 98. And, so, um, and I recruited a lot of those guys that are on this 2013 team in the Derby Classic. So... Um, it's not. It's not that at all. I just, you know, I, it's just my opinion. I, I yeah, think... I, and and I'm the same way. I, I, I you know, I, obviously when they play Kentucky, I hope they get their tails kicked. But, uh, but I, I mean, you know, you, you want this. This isn't any fun to have the basketball team. I, I mean, you know, so what? I want to. I want both teams to be really good, so that when they play each other, it, it's a good game. I mean, to me. I, I I take no consolation in Louisville being as bad as they are this year. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. College basketball is better when UK, IU, and uh, U of L are all good. You know, no question, no question, no about question. It. Hey, a reminder that when you're ready to explore the outdoors, there's no better place than the Bluegrass State. Hike, bike, paddle, fish, or even venture deep underground. This is Kentucky. Come see for yourself. Plan your summer getaway today at KentuckyTourism.com. This segment with Dan Issel and Louis Rabot is presented by KentuckyTourism.com. And welcome back. This is Issel and Louis sitting in for Louis today and all week, and we really appreciate his time, is Mike Gandolfo. And, uh, Mike, I guess we need to get into this Kentucky game. I think this is a huge game Absolutely. for Kentucky. Well, I think- first off, it's Tennessee, so it's always a huge uh, game, right? What did I say? What? No, I'm, I'm trying to say like it's a it's a rivalry game that's always a, a big game, no matter what the situation is. You know, you know, I was going to ask you about that. I I guess I, I guess the biggest rivalry that Kentucky now has is Louisville. Is that fair? I think it depends on where you live in the state. 
Mm. You mm. know, I, I don't think uh, I think if you went down, uh, you know, closer to the Tennessee border, especially in eastern Kentucky, you know, where there's a mix of where there's a where there's a mix of fans, you'd probably have people say. Ten- I mean, obviously, when you when you were playing uh, that Tennessee game was your biggest rival, right? Oh, but far and away, and you owned far it. Far and away, you wanted to. Uh, you know, I was thinking, and Mike uh, Mike used to tell this story. Of course, now you know when you go uh, to a visiting arena. I mean, the bus pulls right into the bowels of the arena. You get off and go to the locker room. Uh, you get dressed. The first time the the other fans see you, the home fans see you, is when you walk out on the court to warm up. When we used to go to Tennessee, we had to get out of the bus and walk, I'm going to say 30 yards oh, geez. Oh, to go God. into the arena. And they'd have kids out there. One time they threw oranges at us. Uh, but they would scream and yell and and just say the nastiest things. I mean, I no, it was easy. I wanted to beat Tennessee uh, worse than any team we played in college. And you struggled with them, if I remember right, uh, a little bit at the beginning of your career. But then after that, you, you owned them. And then you, I think you never scored less than 21 points after – uh, after your sophomore season, is that right? Well, uh, our, our uh, we played them early. Remember, now our sophomore year, we're starting uh, three sophomores: uh, Mike Casey, Mike Pratt, and myself. And we struggled a little bit at the beginning. And <laughs> we went. We we had a player on on the team, Randy Poole, uh, who was from Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And so uh, I think we played him on a Monday night. We played somebody on Saturday, and I think we might have lost that game. We lost, I think we lost five games our sophomore year. And so we had a scout, Baldy Gilb, I'll never forget this. And we went, he's, and he basically told Coach Rupp, you know, the way we're playing, the way Tennessee plays. Tennessee had Tom Borwinkle, Justice, Hahn. They had a really good team. And we went to Oak Ridge High School on Sunday afternoon and basically changed up our whole approach to the game, what we were trying to run, what we were doing defensively. And at that time, and I think it still still uh, is, it was the worst defeat Coach Rupp ever had. Uh, they beat us 20 20- High 20s, low 30s. I mean, they destroyed us. And um, then we went the last game of the year when they came to uh, Memorial Coliseum. We beat them by one point. Um, And so that was – and I don't think think we lost to them the rest of my career. Uh, You know, so you take that in consideration. You take into consideration that actually Rick Barnes has owned John Calipari. There's not a lot of coaches out there that can say that. He's got a winning record against John Calipari. You take into consideration that, uh, you know, some of the best basketball players that Tennessee's ever had come through their uh, locker room have been uh, Kentucky-born players. (laughs) Uh, You know, obviously Allen Houston and and Lofton and – and there's probably other ones that you could probably even come up with that I I can't think of. I mean, it's just – there's a lot – there's a lot intertwined there. The SEC rivalry, they've, they've, uh, but yeah, I, there's a lot to this game. And, and whenever there's the rivalry with, you know, obviously Kentucky upsetting them in Knoxville before, 
and there's so much at stake for both teams. I mean, Tennessee's playing for seeding, especially after going through that little sliding uh, period that they did, and Kentucky's fighting for their for their life. And yeah, that's that's why I think this game is so important tomorrow uh, for Kentucky. I think if they win this game tomorrow, uh, you know, they're they're in the tournament. Oh, I, I, oh yeah, I would agree. I mean, they you know they've got to. They they still has to have to show up and you know they've got to win at Florida they got to win uh, Vandy but um, if they beat if they beat Tennessee tomorrow and go even two and two uh, the rest of the year I still think they make the tournament so this this is huge and, and it's really it's it's a funny game Mike because Tennessee is so good. Uh, defensively. Mm-hmm. They times. turned Alabama yeah. over 19 times. They are really good defensively. But offensively, man, do they struggle. I mean, v- So you're saying bet the it, under tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, Vescovy is leading their team in scoring at 12 points a game and is shooting 39% from the field. That's their leading score. Uh, and so uh, they it, it, it's going to be an interesting game to watch. Remember, in that win in Knoxville, they missed, Mike, either four or five just dead crip layup shots. I mean, yeah. with no, no defensive pressure whatsoever. They just missed wide open. I think Ziegler missed like three of them. And so, um, you know, this, the thing that scares me is if Tennessee comes out and even plays halfway decent offensively, Kentucky might have a hard time scoring. Oh, yeah. One, well, Kentucky has a hard time scoring, I think, against most JV teams in the state of Kentucky. So, um, <laughs> you know, it was interesting to me, too. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but Cal was out watching the, uh, the young guy down at Lyon County who uh, is getting ready to break King Kelly Coleman's uh, scoring record. Perry? Perry. Is that his yep. name? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they definitely could use that kind of scoring prowess. Um, although, just because you can score, it doesn't necessarily mean you're, a, you know, at that level. But we'll see what right. happens with him. So, yep. um, you know, it's interesting. You know, we were talking a lot yesterday about quad one wins. See, I did that slowly. So Yay, very out. good. Yeah. Uh, and I remember – back before quad one wins were a thing i mean it used to be like you know how did you do kind of like after february 1st what did your last 10 games how did you finish the season kind of impacted kind of where you were seeding and we talked also about the parity in college basketball and when you think about the fact that one team is fighting to maybe be a two seed and one team is fighting to even get in the tournament and they're their records really aren't drastically different. Not, Tennessee's nine and four in the conference. They got a bad loss. They both lost to Missouri. They got a the Tennessee lost to Vanderbilt. Kentucky's lost to Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, there's only three games difference in the in the loss column uh, for the overall record. Uh, it's it's really you look at these two teams and there's not much difference between the the team that's going could possibly be a two seed and the team that could maybe miss the tournament. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I was really surprised, given the fact that Kentucky uh, and and have you seen a spread? I can't find a line. I have place. not seen a spread yet. I'm actually yeah. on the site right now looking for it, and I could not. They don't but, have it out yet. I wonder if they're waiting but, to see if uh, get some announcements maybe on who's playing and who's not playing. Yeah, uh, given uh, good point. Given the fact that Kentucky won in Knoxville. And given the fact that this is such an important this this ESPN matchup predictor, 
I mean, they're all in on Tennessee. They they say seventy three percent chance that Tennessee wins a game. Only twenty seven percent chance for for Kentucky. It's all going to depend on which team shows up for both for both places. Like that's that's what makes this thing so hard to really even talk about. Is like you know what team shows up, what Kentucky team shows up, and what Tennessee team shows up. Because well, I I would be surprised uh, if. I mean, <laughs> Severe Wheeler is on the bench Wednesday night with a boot on. Uh, and I know what it's like trying to play with a cracked rib. So right now, I'd say the over and under is that neither Fredericks or Wheeler plays. I think tomorrow. it's going to make it really tough, honestly, because, I, you know, they, they turned Case and Wallace over uh, time and time again the first time around. And CJ was the kind of the person that kind of helped uh, hold it all together. When Kaysen was struggling, if they don't have, if they got to rely on Thero, um, it's it could be a long night. It, yeah, it could be a real long night. Yeah, well, um, we'll uh, we'll see. But if Kentucky can pull this off, I think that goes a long, long way to them making the tournament. Well, what do you? So, what do you think is going to happen here? Or do you want to hold off to make predictions until uh, the last part of the show after we handicap the incredible card at the fairgrounds? Yeah, let let let's let's do that. Okay, let's do that now. Did the, you go ahead? Did you see? Speaking of Kentucky basketball, did you see this little tidbit yesterday? A bill was introduced in the Kentucky legislature which would do away with lifetime contracts at this, I'm at all the state support. university. <laughs> Can we also add to that the coach and waiting? Can we do both of those? Can we get rid of coach and waiting and the uh, the lifetime contract? Cuz I think both of those both of those things will backfire on a university. I don't have we seen the coach and waiting work for any place that's tried to do it so far? Uh well, I you know, Duke and North Carolina both started out. North Carolina was ranked number 1 in the country. Duke wasn't far behind and neither one of them are ranked right now. So Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> so. it just doesn't seem to work out. So like I, I the coach and waiting lifetime contracts. What, let's one do place, with one place that I can remember it worked out. Joe B Hall. Yeah. Yeah, and and yep. again, I didn't know did they actually name him the coach and waiting before he was hired? Yes. Okay. Yes. The way the way that worked out was uh, Joe. Now I can't remember exactly what year it was. Uh, it might have been my senior year, or maybe the year. No, it was. I think it was my senior year. Uh, Joe actually, he was um, he was assistant coach. He actually took the head coach uh, coaching job at uh, St. Louis. Do you do you know this story? No, I did not know he took the, took yeah, the job. Yeah, no, Louis. he he took he went and took the job at St. Louis, and uh, Harry Miller, very prominent attorney in Lexington at the time, and three or four other people drove to St. Louis and got a hold of Coach Hall and said, "Coach Rupp will retire when he's seventy years old, and you will be the head coach at the University of Kentucky." And so he he left St. Louis and came back to Lexington and was I'm not I, you know I'm doing this from memory which is sure, sure. good but but I'm but, you can uh, embellish as much as you want embellish the whole thing like just. <laughs> but then but then Harry Lancaster who was uh, Coach Rupp's assistant forever Ever, yeah I, I did start watching <laughs> by the way I started watching the first episode of the uh, the, the um, <coughs> basketball down south. 
And I, you know, they talk, you all talk about you and Mike Pratt. I know talk about Harry Lancaster early on in that thing. So yeah, and and so uh, Coach Lancaster uh, became the athletic director. Okay, and so he went he went from uh, from uh, Coach Rupp from from Coach Rupp being his boss to being Coach Rupp's boss, which was interesting as well. And and Joe was the number one assistant uh, when when that happened. But the, but yeah, he he was gone. He he had agreed. Uh, to take the St. Louis job, and and a few people in Lexington went and and brought him back and told him he would be the head coach when Coach Rupp retired. So of course we're gonna have uh, you know the we're gonna honor the '98 team uh, in Lexington on Saturday, uh, you know which is kind of cool. Both places honoring uh, special teams at Kentucky and Louisville this weekend. I always thought the correlation though between Tubby and Coach Hall uh, were really interesting to me. You know how the, you, they were the the assistant coach. That was under the guy who kind of helped resurrect the program and, and brought a lot of energy to the program, and then they never fully got the full credit. They were lo- they were always will go down as be just beloved, you know, after you remove them from the fact, but they were never really appreciated as much for the time that they were at Kentucky as they should have been. Yeah, yeah, probably probably so. When uh, uh, watching Southern hoops. Uh, when you get and I watched it last night because Sherry hadn't watched it with me and she wanted to watch it. So I watched uh, episode number three for the second time. And, and it's really cool. There's a there's a big segment on uh, the 78 team winning the national championship. And there's a lot of quotes from um, from Goose, a lot of a lot of tape that they play from Coach Hall uh who else? Uh, Kyle Macy has a big part of it. So, yeah, yeah, the first the first three episodes of that show. If you're a Kentucky basketball fan, that's must watch TV. Yeah, I'll check. I'm a. I'll definitely try to get through it this weekend and just uh, and you know we'll see. So, I what, so, what do you, so we we talked about coaches and waiting. What do, what do you think now? The guy who the guy and I can't I don't remember his name. Uh, but he said, "He said, now this isn't a shot at Cal. Cal's a Hall of Fame coach, but but I, I, I you know, we we have to do away with these lifetime contracts, which yeah. I thought I thought the timing was very interesting that it would be brought up now. Well, yeah, I think it's incredibly interesting, that, and, I, and again, I think it's right. I mean, the state that's a big risk for the state to take, and uh, even though the state really doesn't pay a lot of Cal's contract, you know, I think that's also the thing that uh, people don't fully understand." Um, but I don't think they the pay any of it. I th- I think that the 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 athletic department at Kentucky actually makes a donation to the university every year. Then th- so that I think it's money. It. I think it's money going from the athletic department to the university, not the other way around. Well, I, I just I remember the way it used to be, and I don't know. You know, again, and then people don't fully understand how these athletic departments work in general. That you know. The, the money that was going to go to the chemistry department was not going to the head, the head basketball coach. And actually, like you just said, in the, the, the case of our two universities, uh, it's the opposite way. The, the, the athletic department gives the university way more than the university gives the athletic department. Mm. Um, but it used to be where a portion of that whole salary package was a small part of what the state paid, uh, you know, what the university paid the coach. And then the athletic department and all the other packages, Nike, all those kind of things kind of filled in. But you know, and I, I was going to go on to even say, like, you know, the nice thing about what's going to happen next is that Cal doesn't have any assistant coaches who have proven to be a good head coach, so we won't have a Cal assistant as a head coach next. You know, yeah, like like Tubby no, and uh, I, no, no, it oh, will know. be 
uh, much like when when Coach Hall retired, uh, you know, they went out and got <clears throat> excuse me Eddie. one of the one of the biggest names in college basketball was Eddie Sutton. Yeah, and, and and so it, it'll be that kind. Of, no, there's an assistant coach is not getting the Kentucky job. Well, I mean, Tubby had to leave and prove it at Georgia and Tulsa. You know, I thought that was a good, it was a good move at the time. You know, I, um, so, uh, but yeah, I I think that uh, it, hopefully Kenny Payne is the first one of the Cal assistants to make it. But do you think it's the job of the of the head coach to have? assistant coaches move on to be good head coaches at other places no okay no i mean you know i'm i'm sure it's cool that they have this coaching tree but that's not part of their job their job is to win games where they are and and hopefully the assistant coaches help them do that and when they're successful then they get opportunities i mean look at look at the super bowl mike i mean Philadelphia gets to the Super Bowl. Uh, they don't even win the game. Right. But yet their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator both get head coaching jobs in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that – no, it, it's it's not the job of the head coach to prepare those guys. It's the job of the head coach to win basketball games. And then when he is successful, then other programs will look – at his assistant coaches i think i think that's the way it should be but i guess what i'm trying to say is like you is part of their responsibility to help those guys prepare for what it's like to be a head coach because it's not the same it's not the same to be an assistant coach and move to the head coaching chair like it's it's different right yeah oh no there's no question about that it's much (laughs) it's much different (laughs) much different um i i guess i i guess you want you know, if if you have assistant coaches, you want them to be successful. But look at look at what happened a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, uh, Cal wasn't happy where the recruiting was going, and he basically, uh, you know, with the exception of Bruiser, he basically wiped the slate clean. So I, I no, I think Cal's worried about winning games with his assistant coaches. All right, I, I got a, I got a texter who's actually bringing in a, a name that I've never heard before. Okay, okay. so I need you to tell me. Um, okay. So they they're talking about Coach Rupp also brought in a guy named Gail Catlett, trying to groom him to be his replacement as well. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. He he, he brought in uh, Coach Catlett, uh, and I don't remember. I think that was after. It was right after you left. It looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's uh, and he was from Cincinnati or Dayton or. Someplace he, he was at Kansas. Ohio. He went to Cincinnati after Kentucky actually to be the head coach at oh, Cincinnati. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, <clears throat> that's yeah. But he was yeah. an assistant at Kansas before. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I don't think Coach Rupp. Coach Rupp wanted to stay. He he wasn't he wasn't concerned about who was going to take his place. I mean, he fought to the bitter end to stay. And and the reason, not the reason, but they you know the fact that he was a state employee. And there was a mandatory retirement age at that time of 70 years. The, the people that had promised Joe Hall the job were basically the ones that were saying, no, you know, we I mean, Coach Rupp tried to get that reversed and everything. But uh, but they stuck to it and said, no, you you have to you have to re- retire. I mean, he was there was no way he was going to walk away peacefully and just hand the keys to Coach Hall. And so what was that relationship like between the two of them? 
Uh, was it strained? No, I, I, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say it was strained. Uh, I, I do. I do remember one time. Uh, Coach Hall was the assistant uh, my senior year, and he didn't think we were in great shape. We had this running program that started six weeks. We we couldn't start practicing till October fifteenth, and we had this running program that was brutal. I mean, absolutely brutal. That Coach Hall ran, and we had to do it for six weeks before the regular season started. And uh, that's why Louis Dampier is is my best friend to this day because Louis taught me. Louis was a senior and he taught me how to cheat in the running program. <laughs> but so so we're so we're into the season, and 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 Coach Hall didn't think we were in very good shape. So so Coach Rupp would in practice and he would say, okay, you know, shoot twenty. Everybody shoot twenty five free throws and then take a bath. It, it wasn't a shower. He always called it take a bath. So t- shoot 25 free throws, take a bath, and then he'd leave practice. So there was, for a couple of practices, after we shot the uh, the 25 free throws, Joe Hall puts us on the line, and and we run suicides. You know what suicides yeah, are? Yeah, lines now. Line, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> after about two days of that, Pratt and I go into Coach Rupp's office, and we said, uh, Coach, do you know that uh, Coach Hall is making us run suicides after you leave practice? He never left practice early again. (laughs) He stayed out there. Coach Coach Hall couldn't make us run suicides. So, uh, no, it was was a meaningful. I, I mean, like I said, he didn't want Joe Hall taking his place, so... You know, it wasn't kumbaya, but no, it was a decent relationship. All right, so the Vols have the number one adjusted defense efficiency on the Kimpon yeah. rankings. That's going to yeah. be the big thing. And the turnover number for me is the one that I'm going to watch. Kentucky's going to have to take care of the basketball um, and not settle for uh, and have better shot selection. I think that's going to be huge, too. Uh, but you know what? You can watch the game, and then afterwards, you can get a uh, you can after the showdown and rep on uh, on Saturday, Kentucky does host Tennessee. You can join James Strebel and Jason Ince around 3 p.m. Uh, as they're the first place. They'll take your calls, text, and hear for four minutes from John Calipari as uh, it's all Saturday no, afternoon on the four ESPN minutes if they lose. It'll be, it'll be <laughs> half an hour if they win. <laughs> it, yeah, it could definitely be a half hour if they win. We'll see what happens on this one. You know, and actually, if they lose, it's probably not even going to be Cal. It'll probably be, you know, Chin or Orlando. So we'll go from there. <laughs> Hey, when you're ready to explore the outdoors, there's no better place than the Bluegrass State. Hike forest trails, paddle through clear waters, enjoy a horseback ride, or simply soak up the sights and sounds of nature. Uh, Pioneer getaway today at KentuckyTourism.com. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. 
Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com.